Hello, everyone. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on what time it is when you're watching this. This is another weekly live stream in the series Corporate Colorism with yours truly, Dr. Sarah L. Webb. Today's topic is all about the legal consequences of colorism. Okay, so I just want to make sure that people know that it's illegal if you're a business or a school or a government agency, it's illegal to be out here being colorist, okay? At least in the explicit ways. Obviously, we know colorism is systemic. It does not require intent. It does not require individual actors to exist and to be perpetuated. But in instances where you have people in leadership, people in supervisory roles, out here being colorist, like your business, your company, your agency can get sued, okay? Um, and so I'm gonna share, as part of my discussion today, some examples of case studies or cases that were settled by the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, the EEOC, which is a government agency here in the United States that handles discrimination in the workplace, right? And I was reviewing these case studies in preparation for this live. And so I want to give a trigger warning because some of these case studies and going back over them triggered me in a way of just the injustice of it. And so I'm a very sensitive person. I cry easily. <laughs> but also I've always like felt other people's pain. You know, I was always that kid who became best friends with the, the student who was being bullied, right? So like the kid that everyone else was bullying, I was always like, oh, I'll be your friend. I'll play with you. I'll eat lunch with you. Um, and so hearing like the bullying basically that has been happening in some of these cases really just got under my skin. So as I share these, I just want to give you a warning <laughs> that if you are also sensitive like me, you might be angered by what you hear. But that anger can empower us and motivate us to take action, to be on the lookout for these types of behaviors and incidents when they occur around us, whether they be in our workplace, our schools, or even within our families and communities, churches, right? This type of um, bullying can happen in the workplace, but really anywhere in society. And so my hope is that with greater awareness comes greater responsibility and accountability, okay? Uh, so yeah, but if you are, you know, in HR, if you work at a company, <laughs> You know, let's not get sued here, okay? Let's create inclusive, welcoming environments where people feel like they belong. We don't want toxic workplace environments of any kind. Um, also, these are interactive lives, so I will save time at the end for questions and comments. You all always have very insightful questions and comments that I try to get through, get through, get to and get through on these live streams, okay? Um, hey, Aya, hey, Michael, what's up? <laughs> hey, Instagram folks, if you're watching on LinkedIn or YouTube, be sure to say hi in the chat because I can't see that you're watching unless you say something. On Instagram, I can see your screen name when you join. So I appreciate all of you for tuning in. All right, so let's get into what some of these EEOC cases are, right? The summaries, there are case summaries. And if you watch, not watch, if you read the article or the blog post that I publish every Tuesday after my live streams, you can click the link directly to the EEOC website and they have like tons of content where they're summarizing case cases that they've settled of various forms of discrimination, some related to race, some related to color, some related, some intersectional cases that they have. They have cases on things like race and age, race and gender, race and ability status. And so 
Um, there's just a lot to look at if you're interested in that side of things. Obviously, I'm picking out, I cherry-picked the ones on colorism, on skin tone, just to give you an illustration, to give you an idea of what types of behaviors, um, egregious behaviors have been taking place in the workplace. And I've also, I also want to say that there are oftentimes more subtle forms of colorism that happen. The ones that get brought before the EEOC a lot of times what you'll see is that they, they happen repeatedly and they, they tend to get very explicit, right? Um, but also be aware that there could be more subtle things going on that are not as explicit or as dramatic, right? Um, so I'm gonna read quotes. I'm gonna actually like read some quotes, so just bear with me. <laughs> so this first case uh, says that the transportation department engaged in race and color discrimination when it failed to select the complainant the acting division secretary for the position of division secretary. The EEOC found the agency's explanation to be so fraught with contradiction as to not be credible and thus a pretext for discrimination. Um, and so this is an example. I, I picked out this case. It doesn't explicitly mention skin tone, but it was under the race and color discrimination. And I mentioned this one because as, for example, dark-skinned, people, or especially dark-skinned women, get promoted or advanced through their careers, a lot of times people will undermine them and undercut them and try to um, make their jobs harder. And so I thought that was an example of that. Now, the second case says that an estimator and assistant project manager was subjected to derogatory comments from his supervisors, the project manager, and the company's owner on the basis of his national origin, Pakistani, religion, Islam, and his color, brown. And the lawsuit indicated that the comments occurred almost daily and included things like telling the employee that he was the same color as human feces. Okay, so I told y'all these would be pretty egregious and possibly triggering. And that's an example of what I'm talking about. Um, a third case says that a light-skinned black female manager subjected darker-skinned African-American employees to a hostile and abusive work environment because of their color. The lawsuit alleged that the manager told one employee she looked as black as charcoal, quote unquote, and repeatedly called her charcoal until she quit. Okay. Um, another case study, a Bangladeshi employee who was assigned to be store manager of a Staten Island location allegedly was told by her district supervisor that Staten Island was a predominantly white neighborhood and that she should change her dark skin color if she wanted to work in the area. EEOC asserted that the supervisor who allegedly told her that she really should be working in Harlem with her dark skin color and threatened to terminate her if she did not accept a demotion and transfer to the Harlem store. And in addition to her skin tone, this employee was also subjected to national origin discrimination based on her name and accent, okay? She was excluded from employee meetings because the district supervisor said the other employees could not understand her accent and asked her to change her name because the customers could not pronounce it, okay? Um, and then this last one in terms of case study summaries I'm sharing, it wasn't um, explicitly under the color discrimination, but it was under same race discrimination. So discrimination 
amongst people of the same race, which is often related to colorism and corresponds with colorism. And I'm also sharing it because it's an example of how it's not enough to just hire more black people. It's not enough to just hire more brown people. It's not enough to just hire more BIPOC people. We have to hire people who have a DEI consciousness. We have to hire people who actively promote inclusivity and belonging, right? Um, so in this case, a black male hospital director um, who abused all employees was not insulated from liability for racially harassing an African-American female where evidence showed that she was the target of more egregious and public abuse than other employees. Evidence revealed that the director told her he only hired her because she was a black woman and he often used profanity toward her, referred to her by race and gender slurs, singled her out for verbal abuse in front of other employees and told her to get her black ASS out of here. Okay, so those are some um, severe forms of abuse and bullying and toxicity in the workplace related to skin tone, related to same race discrimination, related to colorism, and all of the intersectional identities that relate to that. And so outcomes, you know, obviously companies have, have payouts. They have to pay money, varying degrees of money. They have to sign consent decrees. They have to um, prove that they've updated their policies and have uh, changed their methods for reporting incidents, for tracking incidents. Um, they often are required to go through periods of training on bias and harassment and that sort of thing. And... Um, that was one other thing I was gonna say with that, I forgot. Okay, but yeah, so some of the um, outcomes, right, when they're going through these cases include financial um, liability, but also other changes that the EEOC, you know, requires them to make. And so what I'm sharing here in terms of insights and takeaways, and obviously I'll have homework for y'all in just a minute, but one, these are all, the EEOC is obviously a reactive thing, right, and so for companies, we have to be proactive. I'm not a company, but we have to be proactive. Whatever role, even whether a business owner or a school teacher or just a parent, like all of us have to be proactive when it comes to colorism. And so as I mentioned already, in hiring and promotions, like if you're hiring a supervisor, if you're hiring a manager, if you're hiring a district manager, if you're hiring like a new VP, it's, you, you definitely want to increase your standards for people who actively create inclusive workplaces. You want to increase your standards for hiring people that are anti-discrimination, right? That are aware and have skills and have a track record for creating inclusive and safe workplaces. And then a third thing I want to say is that a lot of these cases were happening at the local level and with people that interacted, inter directly interacted with employees on a regular basis. And so thinking about your inclusion and belonging and diversity efforts, they have to go beyond just the headquarters, they have to go beyond just central offices, they have to be, that culture has to be spread throughout all facets of an organization, throughout all facets of a company. So whether it be in the factory and the assembly line, whether it be out in field work, if it be at different chains or different locations, um, different you know physical businesses and warehouses, right? All of the places where people work 
for your company, you have to be actively creating that culture of inclusivity and belonging. Um, okay, and so before I give you your homework, I do want to remind you all that this Saturday, I am hosting a live Zoom workshop called You Are Powerful, How to Take Meaningful and Sustainable Action on colorism to everyone who has already registered i'm excited for you i'm excited for me i am really looking forward to working with you all live and in person in a more intimate setting than what i can do on these live streams and for all of you who chose the recording i also think you're going to get a lot of magic i so quick side note for me teaching is one of my passions and it's a really creative outlet for me. And so I see it as like an expression of my spirit, an expression of my soul. I'm trying not to get emotional about this, but this work, my work is like so meaningful and important to me. And I really value that you trust me with your um, development and growth and coaching you as you do your own work as well. Okay, so your homework before I get into your questions, um, Open the conversation with your HR departments about their level of awareness around this type of discrimination. And how are you being proactive about it? Is it when you're writing your policies, when you're writing your procedures and protocols, when you're writing employee trainings, when you're developing professional development series, are you incorporating these types of discrimination and bias into those as well? So that as you're hiring people, they are actively being made aware of what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. Um, I, I did have a social media person, follower, say that she recently had to report um, an incident to HR, right, about uh, harassment or bullying around skin tone. And so then your affirmation is, I have recourse, okay? Now, I know a lot of people watching this might actually work in HR or you might be a legal advisor, right? So if you have more insight, if you have ex personal experience with any of these things, please leave a comment, type in the chat, right? Just, you know, we can crowdsource some additional knowledge and resources here. So I'm definitely not the only one that, you know, can guide people to resources. All right, so let's see what questions you all have or comments. <laughs> I'm going to start over here on my right. Um, Aya says, none of this is surprising if you're dark-skinned. People think you deserve this treatment. It's sad. Um, and then Michael says, yep, that's familiar workplace-ish. Yeah. Um, I hope all those people got paid and take notes. Keep a diary and sue, okay? Aya, keep that diary. Get, keep your receipts, right? Track your conversations. Yeah, all of that. Um, it says, Aya says, you may not be a company, but you are definitely the business. Oh, sis, okay. Oh my gosh, I love when my people hype me up. <laughs> um, all right, Instagram, let's see if y'all have any questions or comments. I didn't see too many coming through. Oh no, y'all are quiet today. Um, hey, Mixed Bloom Room, good to see you. Clavecito, um, Mark My Keys, Briz, oh, I can't pronounce screen names. <laughs> oh my goodness. Mark Anthony3632, Vanessa, Cocoa Butter, Shutter. I like y'all screen names. Let's see. Sophonim so Joseph. Okay. Uh, Nan the Redui. <laughs> I'm trying. It's hard with screen names because all the words are squished together and I don't know where one word stops and the other one begins. Um, but yeah, oh, Clavicito says, how egregious does a situation need to be to report it? 
Um, that's a good question. So it doesn't have to be super egregious to report it. I think you want to report it. You definitely want to document all of it, regardless of how egregious it seems. Um, but you can start reporting it early. It might not escalate to the level of suing the company, right? And so if it's like one incident, maybe the supervisor or the HR manager, maybe the other person gets a write-up, right? Or maybe they get a warning. And so I think at different levels, um, the consequences are going to be different. But I think you can report it whenever you feel it's disturbing or harming, like keeping you from feeling safe and able to thrive and succeed at work, right? And so it doesn't have to be that egregious to report it. I think the reason why these are so egregious is because they escalated to the level of like suing the company, right? And having to take legal action and bring in legal counsel and all that stuff. But if you start to report it early on, like the the person above the one who's doing the bullying or the abuse, they might be able to address it like in-house, right? And so you can report it at any time. It's just that the, the process to rectify it or the process to address it might be different. And so I think reporting it early on, earlier on, might actually benefit companies because then they can maybe avoid it getting to the point where they're suing the person. And a lot of times, I don't know if I mentioned this when I was walking through the cases, a lot of times these things got to the level of EEOC because they also fired the people for reporting it. So I will say that um, in a case where the, the system or the company is being unjust, they might terminate you or fire you. And a lot of times that's why these employees went to the EEOC because the company, instead of handling it, instead of giving a write-up or you know, terminating the abusive um, manager or terminating the abusive supervisor, the person who experienced the abuse, the person who was being bullied, got fired for reporting their manager, for reporting their boss, right? And so that's why they went the route of suing the company, right? So I think if you're listening and you are um, a manager or a supervisor or a business person who has decision-making power, you do want to like actively address these issues, right? Don't um, retaliate against people for expressing and reporting ways that they feel abused and experience microaggressions and all those things. So that's what I'll say to that, because obviously they're a great question. Um, Candice... Instagram, Candies, I can't, I don't know this name, but I'm going to read your comment. Um, why was Lord Danbury and Queen Charlotte Netflix put in blackface in 2023? Oh, wow. I don't know about that. Um, yeah, I will say side note, I do, I will be releasing, I'm, I'm doing so many new things, but it's, it, this is the year I already told y'all. So, hey, it is what it is. You've been warned of all the things I want to announce. But a lot of people over the years, over the many years I've been doing colorism healing, have asked me to weigh in on current events, on current topics, on things that are happening in the media, things that are happening in the news, viral videos on social media. People have asked me to weigh in on those things. And you know, I'm all about staying in my authenticity, staying in my integrity. And so I finally cultivated a way to respond to all of these current events and trending viral topics in a way that 
also feels aligned with my personal values, aligned with who I am as a person. Um, so you'll be able to get, it's a good compromise. I think it's a good balance of being able to respond to timely topics and like current media events, but also doing it in a way that feels true to, you know, Dr. Sarah L. Wet, because I gotta, you know, keep it, you know, aligned. Um, but yeah, I don't, I've never watched, um, the queen the netflix thing with bridgerton all the bridgerton stuff i've never really watched that stuff i've only like heard second hands about like the colorism and things like that but that might be something i look into for this new initiative um says urge juice in michigan did that exact thing to me the bronze book i'm sorry to hear that um hopefully you were able to um find some kind of resolution in that case, um, I went to HR and got fired. Oh, Fuentes, see, yeah. So that's, that's when people take their cases to the courts is when you try to address it, you try to report things in the company and they don't handle it and or they fire you for trying to report behavior, okay? Um, and again, on the, the blog post and the article that'll come out, you'll, I'll have a direct link to this EEOC page if you want to do a deep dive on that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying. Protect your peace. Um, Ash, may spirit bless you in your endeavors. Yay. Bridgerton is programming 101. Oh, yeah, well, I'm not watching it. So, <laughs> All right, folks. So if there are no other questions or comments on this, um, please like, share, subscribe, comment, do all the things. Also, yes, if you're so inclined, sign up for my workshop on Saturday and all the other events. I'm telling you, I'm coming to Dallas. I'm coming to Atlanta. I'm coming to Baltimore and who knows where else. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited about this. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'll be back next week. Next week's um, live is on, let me see what the next week's live is on. I think it's on either microaggressions or the tinted glass ceiling. Okay, my internet is running really slow, so I can't, it's not pulling up. But y'all wanna be here next week regardless because I'm dropping gems every week. <laughs> uh, love y'all, take care, and I hope to see you next Monday at noon Central Time. Bye. Mwah. In the stream, it's not ending. <laughs> okay, hold on.